Hello and welcome to another MyTunes podcast right here at manxradio.com. Mark Tiley, the nation station, Manx Radio. On this week's MyTunes, I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey. Uh, we might end up in Butlins. We may end up in Suffolk. We'll certainly uh, do a lot of time in the Isle of Man, and we may go to Central America, to Belize. I know, it's going to be a journey with my guest, Quentin Gill. More am I, Quentin. More am I, Mark. Good to have you here. Thank you. Now, I know you spent a lot of time growing up across, but were you actually born here in the Isle of Man? Well, no, my parents were Manx, um, grandparents Manx, but no, uh, they had to leave in the 50s. So actually, it's still an issue between me and my 99-year-old mum, but I was born in, in Lancashire, so I'm ah. a, a red rose Lancashire, Lancashire hot pot. Gotcha, but very Manx. Very Manx. We were always brought up as, to be very proud of our Manx roots, and it was always my ambition to come home, as, as we always called it. And um, I have never for a moment regretted coming back to the Isle of Man, and it's the most gorgeous place in the world, and lucky to live here. Well, we're going to talk an awful lot about uh, politics and all sorts of bits and pieces here. But let's start with a young Quinton, and uh, we'll get you quite quickly into Her Majesty's forces. Yes. So what drew you to the to the forces? Uh, do you know, I went to an English grammar school that Mrs Thatcher turned into a comprehensive, and the everybody had to go to university that was the ambition if you didn't you were a failure and I did not want to go to university it had no attraction to me um, and I always admired everybody who I'd spoken to who'd been in any of our forces and um, my parents were in the RAF so I would never emulate them because I wasn't clever enough or bright enough to be a navigator like my dad and so I went into the Royal Navy, which uh, we've got no family connection with. And it, I was in for three and a half years. Absolutely loved it. Um, it's terrible sailor, awful seasick. Uh, could be seasick in a mill pond. But um, nonetheless, character building, great fun, great experience. And I'm sure I learned more in my time in the Navy than I would ever at any university. Yeah. Do you think that pressure's still there on young people? To, I, think to it's, go? It's, I think it's increased. Yeah. I think when we are talking about children, uh, and my experience as a school governor, crying because they haven't got full marks in their SATs in primary school, I mean, really, make your options by the time you're in your early teens for a career path. I've never had a career path. Maybe I'm not a very good role model, but nonetheless, I think we put far too much pressure on children to make decisions and, um, and yeah, just go with the flow a little bit more and, um, yeah. Stop Stop measuring everything. Stop testing everything in education and start letting children flourish. Here, here. I agree entirely. Navy days. Out you went, got to the Caribbean, got to Belize. We, we were the Belize guard ship, HMS Berwick, uh, a, a rackety old Type 12 frigate. I actually wanted to be a submariner, uh, so I volunteered for any Scottish-based submarine when, we, when I joined the fleet. And... Um, Good old Drafty sent me to Plymouth, to Devonport, on an anti-submarine frigate. So I could not have been further away on doing anything different than I wanted to do. But great fun. And I spent eight, 18 months um, at sea with Berwick. And we were the Blease Guard ship. We went to the United States, ev- everywhere. It's a really, really uh, memorable time with great people. And 
even the bad times were funny. And yeah. uh, the, you know yourself with the forces, they can see the funny side of uh, pretty much anything. Well, I had uh, a few years myself uh, knocking alongside various members of the forces and, and ships, etc. And I always found the Navy, particularly on the ships, to have a wonderful hospitality. You must have done a lot of hosting out there. Yes, we did, and that was an important, valid, um, legitimate role was to show the flag, so to dissuade people from doing bad things, but also to encourage people to do good things and to, to understand Britain overseas, uh, Britain's influence and Britain's role. And the Navy are at the foremost of that of the three forces, and they're, they're really expert at it to this day. And, and, and we see that even looking down, down from Broadcasting House, you will see warships, small NCMVs, patrol vessels, but they'll be alongside and they'll be doing exactly the same role and it's just as positive here as it is anywhere else around the world. Let's have your first choice of music. What's it going to be? Well, I, I remember coming home and the excitement of driving from the Midlands where, where I grew up and we were coming back to Liverpool for the boat and uh, it was just the most exciting thing, coming back to the Isle of Man and it coincided with the Beatles. And I remember sitting in the back of a Ford Anglia with my two brothers, wearing Beatles plastic wigs that cut the top of your ears, but we wouldn't take them off. And I just remember all the Beatles songs in the mid early 60s, mid 60s, and probably the, the classic of them all is All My Loving. Close your eyes and I'll kiss you Tomorrow I'll miss you Pretend that I'm kissing the lips I am missing And hope that my dreams will come true And then while I'm away I'll write home every day And I'll send all my loving to you All my loving say to my MyTunes guest Heidi High, it might sort of nudge him towards a time when you were entertaining hundreds if not thousands of good folk at Butlins. It's true, it's true. You yes. were there with a red coat on. I was, yes. We'd, uh, I'd, I'd come out of the Royal Navy, 
my mum came home one day. I was waiting to to start training either as a psychiatric nurse, as as they called them in those days, or as um, a social worker. And uh, while I was waiting, mum said, "Oh, they're, they're taking staff on at Butlins. You want to go and go down and try? That'll be a bit of bit of fun." And she was right. So I did, and um, yeah, wound up as a children's red coat, and uh, did that for two two seasons down at Minehead, and yeah, it it was just really hard work really long hours six days a week but great enjoyable times and um you learn a lot by by mix, mix looking at and mixing with people and we had such a variety of experiences that i wouldn't swap it for the world quentin gill in his red coat i yeah. can see it now <laughs> you know i was astonished it was an exhibition up in the north of the island or down north as some people say about when billy butlin was planning to open one here I- and had committed himself to it, even to buy some ferries to go with the whole package. Andreas Way, really, I think, yeah. the whole site. Never happened. Would have been an interesting thing to have a good sort of all-year-round undercover facility. Well, absolutely. I mean, the domestic market wouldn't hold it, but um, if Billy Butlin, who could turn a profit out of anything, if he yeah. was th- thinking in those terms, then, uh, yes, perhaps a missed opportunity. But I was at Butlin's in the cusp of the holiday hardy high camps yeah. that you're describing and them turning into more sophisticated family package holidays, more akin to centre parks, I guess. But nonetheless, the, the same sort of... Um, make it up as you go amateurism was still around and and a good thing for it and people wanted old-fashioned traditional entertainment and um yeah whether they liked it or not that's what they got well uh, we used to go as a family in the early 60s absolutely loved it uh, did minehead did clacton yeah. uh don't think we did skegness where it was always so bracing apparently yes. but we never got up there um, Get, let's get you into social care because we're going to have to talk quite a bit about this because there was a social care period before politics and then and then a return to it. What drew you into social care in, in, initially? Um, I think it was the same motivation that made me want to join the forces and that was very much about service to others, which I, I, I genuinely um, am committed to. But I also learned as I, as I grew that bit older in my mid-twenties that... Um, more and more that it's important to help people on the margins of any community uh, particularly in a small community like the Isle of Man and um, that that was my motivation to to want to help people who were in those circumstances to to, to make their lives better to give them an opportunity you know we talk about leveling up on a, on a regional basis but their society isn't leveled and um, and if I could have some small part in trying to address that for people then that was that was what I wanted to do and that's why I became a probation officer uh, as a qualified social worker and did various other qualifications to to enhance that practice. And you started that in in England? Yes. Yeah, I I was a social work assistant in in Staffordshire, worked in some very deprived areas um, and some fantastic people, some not so fantastic people also. (laughs) Um, Went to college in Suffolk, you mentioned, uh, I think, yesterday. But uh, I was very fortunate after the break in the middle of the course to be um, seconded to the Isle of Man, which made a fantastic difference to my by then young, young family, two young daughters, preschool age. And um, yeah, so the Isle of Man government was extremely helpful to me and uh, I owe a deep grati- debt of gratitude. And I came back as a probation officer and started my career in, in social work and the probation service and um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Mm. 
let's have today's piece of music. What are we going to have? As you know, um, because you were, um, we were talking off air about uh, the Live at Home charity uh, annual Elvis competition. Oh, yeah, I'm so sorry I couldn't get there. The idea of having all those Elvises under one roof is delightful. It, it, <laughs> it really is a cheesy, yeah. fun night in this year. Five men, we've had females before, we've also... Uh, and um, Ross Bailey won, so five Elvises. Ross Bailey was the winning Elvis tribute com- competitor. Two Colonel Parkers and a cheap bar in the Legion. I mean, what can go wrong with Perfect. that? Perfect. Yes, and probably my favourite Elvis song is um, Always On My Mind, which I just think is such a bittersweet song. It's one of those songs you think, I could have written that, but you never have, Quinn. No. Uh, I'll tell you what, we won't take one of the impersonators, we'll take the real thing. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I didn't treat you Quite as good as I should have Maybe I didn't love you Quite as often as I could have Little things I should have said and done I just never took the time
My guest this week on MyTunes is Quentin Gill. If I was interviewing him about 10 or 12 years ago, maybe a bit more, I'd be calling him Quentin Gill MHK because you stood and in Russian and you got in not once but twice, two terms of office. What was the driver, Quentin, to get you from social care into politics? It, it was a continuum. Um, I wanted to, um, on a more strategic role, to be involved with making the Isle of Man a better place for everybody, uh, a more economically sound um, and secure place, and a more welcoming place for, for people ac- across our communities. And, um, yeah, that, 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 that was my motivation. I think I said on when we first spoke, uh, uh, I absolutely love the Isle of Man. It's been such a good place for me and my family. And um, I wanted, it's cliche time, I wanted to put something back. Oh, sure. And um, and that was the way uh, I chose to do it. And uh, as you say, I, I was fortunate to be um, returned twice, in, to be elected and then returned in Russian. And um, democracy caught up with me in 2011. It happens. I do take comfort that my, my vote in that election went up. So I wasn't thrown out, but, uh, but I wasn't returned. Mm. And um, that's life. You... If you go into politics, you have to accept that there's a winner and a loser and you flick a coin. But no regrets. Uh, I'm sure some of your listeners might be shouting down the radio saying, but you didn't do this or you did do that. I I haven't had anybody criticise me for being untruthful or dishonest or underhand. And we all have views. Some people will agree with one another. Others will disagree. I think that's a good, positive reflection of any community. And um, I've no regrets whatsoever about my time in politics. I think it's true. I'm going to say of every MHK I've met or chatted to or interviewed in that the motivation to get in there and do something is to try and make things a bit better. Fundamental motivation to get in there and try and make things a bit better. Yes, I would absolutely agree with that. And as I've just said, I may disagree completely with their politics and their, but their motivation. I've never met anybody who I don't respect for, for that starter for 10. Have we got a more difficult landscape politically now do you think than you had to deal with when you were there? My candid response to that is yes because I don't see that there is any coherent consistent opposition to the government in Timwald. I'd stand to be corrected but I I don't think I will be because in in my time we would have the likes of Peter Caron we would have lots of experienced MLCs who would be very testing in their scrutiny and their questioning and we would have if in a statutory board role I was chairman of the MEA we would have to consider that we would have to answer those questions however unreasonable or unfounded they may be it's a good discipline to have that and I don't see that that that, that exists to the same level and I think government has grown into a bureaucracy that's self-serving in my opinion the public sector workers have got far too much control and I think that they are the two criticisms, so the lack of scrutiny and the lack of uh, of, of control of, of the machine of government uh, are the two things that our politicians are, have been failing in. Would you ever stand again for either house? Um, I was asked to stand for Legislative Council yeah. when I was in the Keys and I declined it because I always wanted to be properly elected. And I have stood in by-elections subsequently because I was so concerned about the things I've just described. Um, but it's not on my agenda to stand again, no. Um, I'm the age I am, I'm in a relationship where I'm entirely happy. And um, frankly, 
would it make a difference? I don't think with the current Timwald that we have and uh, the the, the um, practice of Timwald that seems to me to have changed, I, I don't think it would make a, a positive difference, so it's not for me. I find that sad that you have to say that. Well, I'm being candid. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I'm sad to say it, um, and um, you know we have many, many positive things. We have a very, we have some great people in Timwald, and I'm not being critical of individuals, but I think as a corporate body, they've become subservient to the public sector, uh, or, or scared even of, sometimes of, of upsetting them, and they've, it, it, yeah, politically there's there's no scrutiny of, of any consistent, coherent nature. And I think we're all worse off for that. Let us turn our attention to something warming. California sun. Yes. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> As we... On the day we're recording this, it's blowing a hoolie <laughs> out there. But it would be nice. Talk yes. me through this track, Quinton. Well, it, it, it's, it's, a ra- it's basically an example track of 60s raw pop music. It's, uh, it's obviously it's the Riviera so California band and it just evokes the whole sunshine early pop explosion of the early 60s and um, it could be one of dozens of songs but it's just so much to me that it just if this doesn't make your bum wiggle and you and you're thinking about girls in bikinis and blokes on surfboards then you, you're in the wrong business
My guest all this week on my tunes is Quinton Gill, former MHK, former Redcoat. Oh, yes, he was. <laughs> did you ever see Punch and Judy? <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid. <laughs> yes. You did? Yes. I bet he hasn't brought a swazzle with him. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Wonderful. And in the Royal Navy, all over the world. Absolutely great to have you with us. Social care was a huge part of your life. An extension into politics for two terms of office. And now, very much back into social care, Quinton. Yes, life's full of twists and turns. So you lose your seat, you, you need a job, another job. And um, I was fortunate I'd left social services, as then was, um, on good terms and went back to being a social worker. And I was in, in that role in different um, teams, working with some very, very good people, very good managers, uh, until um, I left in 2019. And um, that was that was an unfortunate experience. The, the management of social services at that time, and they've been replaced largely, were um, frankly unfit for purpose, in my opinion. And I was very pleased to be to be out of it. Um, and I was equally pleased to then move to working in the charitable sector. And I'm now work uh, doing a quasi social work role with uh, Live at Home Charity, which supports older people across the island, apart from the south of the island, man where Southern Befrienders um, operate. Three quarters of the island we we cover and we provide support. And the idea, as the name implies, is to help people stay living in the community with the best possible support and social opportunities uh, and to, to avoid going into residential or nursing care wherever possible. And I think that's a very laudable um, goal and, um, and and I thoroughly enjoy it. Absolutely. If you can stay surrounded by the things that you cherish, the situation you know, mm. but with the support coming in yeah. uh, uh, to make it viable, yes, got to be wonderful. How long yeah. have you been with uh, Live at Home? Just over two years now, yeah, yeah. and it, it's great. We're with some really good people, and we say to our members, we don't do anything clever, we just do things that are important. So we, you know, we'd like to be kind to people, we like to show people respect, courtesy, interest, and we want to support them. And uh, they, as we all know from our relationships, they're, they're the things that make a difference. And um, it's nice to be paid to do uh, to do a job that is make, having those positive outcomes. How do you think we shape up as an island in terms of charity and the work we do here compared to our Ireland or Wales or Scotland, England? I couldn't make that direct comparison other than to say the third sector, the charitable yeah. sector, um, has a, a crucial and I think growing role because governments try to be everything to everybody and it's just not affordable. It's not sustainable. Sooner or later, they're going to have to actually act on that reality. But that's their problem. Um, for us as charities, we need to be responsive and, uh, and, and light on our feet to provide the services that, that are required. And um, I, I think the sense of community in the Isle of Man is still very tangible, very real and very important. And um, I, I think we're pushing at an open door on those regards to, to make our work as valid as it's ever been and in some cases more important than it's ever been. Long may that continue. Yeah. Just ahead of this final track, I say final track, because if you come back in a little while for the podcast, there's going to be a little bonus track. And I'm not even going to tell you what it is, but it will not be what you expect, having listened to this week with Quinton. Anyway, I'll tease you now. Come back to the podcast uh, this afternoon, because it's going to be worth your while. But let's have the final track of this regular My Tunes series. And we've got Andy Williams. Yes. My fiance is Vora Cowley, who's a very well-known 
lady she works in government she's been there for decades very well respected and, and trusted and un, quite rightly so and we've become engaged we've been together for a, just over a decade and she's the most wonderful woman and you know i truly love her i tell her every day and um the song that kind of epitomizes that for both of us is the uh, is can't help falling in love and there's some rubbish versions of that song but the best version we both agree and i hope listeners will agree is uh, the the fast beat andy williams version will this be the first dance at the wedding <laughs> come on <laughs> we, yeah well, that's still in the planning stage so, <laughs> I, um, hope it I, is. I but but i do look forward to having to make that decision yeah. good good man here it is it's been a great week thank you quinton uh, don't forget the podcast extra bits coming up if you join us later on today but for now quinton thank you for being on my jeans mark thank you it's a real pleasure appreciate it
if you were listening to my tunes this week on air, you'd have heard me tease you saying there's another bit, there's another bit. Well, here is the other bit, because Quinton, he put down a couple of extra choices, well, one in particular, and I said, we've got to go to five songs, Quinton. What on earth has drawn you to the theme from Z Cars, apart from maybe Everton Football Club, which we could talk about, but is that the sole reason? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it it is the soundtrack of my life is um, the most memorable m- m- listening I, I have of music. It does go back to my early years, very early years in the 60s, when uh, we'd be driving, and again, I've said this earlier, yeah. driving home, uh, driving to Liverpool from home uh, to get on the boat to come back to visit relatives to see the Isle of Man. Uh, I could not have been more excited. And um, I, I remember listening to the Beatles, but I also remember... Um, as we drove past Leak, um, Bleak Leak, and suddenly um, the transistor radio that I sat between my two brothers in the back of the car, turning around to keep the uh, the signal, was blasting out um, this theme song from uh, Zeg Cars with Police Series. It's just come on telly. And I just thought it was the most exciting song. And then, of course, it, it's the Everton in, um, run-on song. Uh, and as a, as a proud Everton, proud and bitter Evertonian, um, I've, <laughs> those two I've, go together very well. Those they proud do, and yeah. Bitter. And and it probably does me no credit to have my three daughters, Laura, Emma, and uh, Alison. I subjected them all to Goodison, and um, I hope they I hope they've enjoyed it. They 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 can't say they have, and they can't humour me by saying they support Everton. And uh, long may that last. I think the new stadium's uh, coming on uh, by the look of what I last saw. Uh, very yeah, impressive. It's, it's 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 the necessary investment for yeah. any any football club, and of course I hope it hope it goes well for at least one of the sides in Liverpool. Well, let's hear it. I'm amazed that you heard it on the radio, but of course it was it was played a lot, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was a. a, a Top ten hit, yeah. you know, hit parade hit, as they the would say in those days. Yeah, for Johnny Keating. Uh, yeah, Johnny Keating said cars theme. Quinton, thank you again. My pleasure. Thank Been you. Been a cracking week. Very kind.
Quentin Gill, thank you for a wonderful week on my tunes. Great choices. Loved it. Uh, don't forget, join me, Mark Tiley, whenever you can for the Shaw Morning Show, 9.30 to 12. And keep coming back here to manxradio.com for more podcasts as they're coming up daily.